you can now hear Movie Heaven, Movie Hell on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discover from 20,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows. You can also create your own custom playlists. Stitcher is available on iOS, Android, Nook, iPad, and in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and it's on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory. You can stream your favorite podcasts from Stitcher. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. And please leave us a review and rating on Stitcher. Thank you. Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers that like to discuss uh, other directors' work. Um, But uh, to begin this episode, we actually do have some really good news to report, don't we, Simon? We do indeed. Uh, We talked to Anthony and Claire Bueno about their documentary, Cleaning Up the Town, Remembering the Ghostbusters. Now, um, when we spoke to them, they were just about to do their Kickstarter. And uh, as we record this, uh, their Kickstarter finished uh, yesterday and they were able to raise the full amount that they needed. Yeah. And some, apparently. So, yeah, the the final amount was uh, 44,000 and change. It's nice, isn't it? No, yeah. good going. I'm, I couldn't be happier for them. Um, you, you know, really, really good to hear this. Uh, you, you know, it has been a, a long sort of labour of love for those guys getting this project together. And um, it's certainly something that, that, you know, many film fans out there, uh, us included, um, you, you know, would, would very much like to see. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, fantastic news. I think it's always good to start one of these podcasts with a bit of good news, and uh, and and that is indeed. So well done, well done, Claire and Anthony. <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud that uh, I was able to support them because I actually don't um, pledge some money towards it, uh, so I can get my copy of it on DVD and Blu-ray. So and I did also. Yes, I, I, I'm going for that Blu-ray edition as well and uh we also get our name in the credits as well apparently so that's that's pretty awesome isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> we'll sort of have to i imagine there's going to be a lot of names on the the end credits now <laughs> i think there will yeah 750 yeah. something at least i think it was yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um yeah but yeah. hey you know this is this is this is good stuff we're really happy it is for good them. stuff yeah it's and good stuff. uh Especially with the with the Ghostbusters reboot and everything sort of uh, coming out this year, um, you know, I think timing couldn't be better, really. Yeah, I just want to sort of uh, ask you what you thought of the Ghostbusters trailer. Do you know I've not seen it? You're I'll be per- it. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I know it's been I know it was released last week or this week, and it's been the hot thing. But I tend to avoid them. I tend to avoid these trailers wherever it's, it's possible. Probably for the best. Um, it, it has not been received very well, and I have to say, I was not a fan of the trailer. Oh. I mean, I'm my fingers are crossed that 
it's just a bad trailer and it's not indicative of the the film. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's hope so. Eh? Because there's a there's a fan trailer out that's much better, and um, I I prefer that over the official trailer. But uh, yeah, it was it was kind of like it's it's sort of it rings alarm bells a bit. And um, I, I do love all the reaction videos that's on YouTube for it because um, first thing out the gate is I'm, I'm not saying it's bad because it's four women. I'm saying it's bad because of this, 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 and this. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So, you know, uh. I, we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. I mean, I'll just be uh, very cautious about going to see it when the time comes. I think I will see what the reviews are and if they're good then i might go and see it and if not i'll just not bother and i'll just stay at home and watch my copy of ghostbusters so yeah i i have kind of a bizarre policy about all of this stuff is even though i'm you know as people who listen to this show know a a a major you know movie nut as it were and it is kind of my life um i tend to before i've seen a film i try and avoid most things i mean obviously you can't always avoid trailers but especially when you go watch other films but um i try and avoid a lot of stuff certainly reviews and things of that nature and then once i've seen the film and sort of seen it pure and made up my own mind i then want to go back and sort of find out everything and read everything but um certainly last summer i was i was really pissed off with um a couple of the trailers that i saw that completely ruined any sort of surprise with the film I was going to go and see. So um, if it's a teaser trailer, it's usually all right. But if it's anything bigger than that, I tend to worry nowadays because Hollywood want to show you everything, which is bizarre, but there you go. (laughs) My policy is if it's a film that I'm looking forward to seeing, then I will avoid trailers and, you know, reading up on it and stuff like that. But um, majority of the films out there, I, I tend to sort of, I kind of want to know what it's going to be like and have a look at it and stuff like that. And, you know, through trailers and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like you have to be, it's really weird now. It's kind of like, it's like stepping for a minefield with trailers because a lot of the trailers, they are willing to show you everything because they want to get you into the cinema. And even if that means showing you the ending, yeah, yeah, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, at the time when you're watching the trailer, it doesn't look like the ending. But then when you're watching the film, you're going, I haven't seen this bit yet. Where's this bit? And from the trailer. And sometimes, you know, you get those trailers where there's all these bits that you're going to love in, in the trailer that don't end up in the movie. And you think, oh, what happened <laughs> yeah. to that bit? I don't forget the most the most classic one for that for me was, uh, I don't know whether you ever saw the trailer. I love the movie, but even though it is cheesy. But the trailer for Tango and Cash... Okay. Oh, yeah. Virtually everything that was in the trailer of Tango and Cash is not in the movie. It's it's really bizarre. <laughs> it's like kind of they they, they had alternate scenes and uh, ah, right. you know things of that nature and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 It's um, yeah. I can't believe I've mentioned Tango and Cash on a podcast <laughs> already. There you go. Well, uh, if we're going to continue the news, then uh, you'll love this. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy have cast Tango and Cash in the film. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. interesting. <laughs> There'll be a bit of a reunion uh, in that film. Hey, I, Kurt and Sly love them both. What can yeah. I say? 
grew up watching them on the, on the screen and uh, can't help but but love them both. They're great guys. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> excellent. We, we we better move on to what people actually want to hear. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. We're we're here to talk about a director. We are, well, a, we a, are. A, a director who started off as a screenwriter and then became. Uh, well, I think if if I'm right, he actually made a film, and then off the back of that film, he got gigs as a scriptwriter, and then he went back to directing. Oh right, and, okay. And uh, of course, for those who haven't guessed yet, uh, the director we're talking about is David Tui. Yes, David Tui, uh, born 1955, the year Marty went back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, this is true. Um, <laughs> This this is the thing we um, looking online. There is not much written about David Tui, um, apart from the fact that he was born in nineteen fifty five and that he is a writer and director known for the films The Fugitive, Pitch Black, and The Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, and that's nah. about it. And I don't know if it's that that people aren't interested in him, or that he's very good at keeping his private uh, private life private. Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, you know what? If it's the second one, I, I totally mm. respect that because... Yeah, well, he's done um, a better job than Kubrick ever did. Yeah, yeah, because I have to say, you know, if or when uh, I ever make it big, um, <laughs> you know, I just want it to be about the movies and stuff, not, uh, you know, about what I'm up to in my private life, you know? So, <laughs> so I kind of respect that if it's about his movies. And, let, and let's look at those. I mean, certainly some of the writing uh, writer credits he's got yeah. are certainly some movies that I absolutely love. I mean, you, you, mentioned, you already mentioned The Fugitive starring Harrison Ford, which, uh, which is absolutely fantastic film. I love that. It's one of my favourite action movies of that era um so yeah really good um he also did uh water world yeah <laughs> the jury might be out on that one although i kind of liked it i, have to I say. enjoyed water world i mean it's uh it, it's just it's good fun i mean i just it was a lot of fun just to you know you just switch your brain off and watch it i mean uh, dennis hopper's you know he's he's very good in it uh kevin costner yeah he's all right he's playing the man with no name with gills <laughs> the man with no name but gills absolutely but yeah. don't but don't knock kevin he's he's another hero don't knock <laughs> kevin <laughs> uh gushing for all these actors well he like... wrote warlock and warlock the armageddon which was um as we know uh warlock was the film that um Oh, what's the actor from uh, Whiffnell and I? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, oh, the, God. the actor who played Whiffnell. Yes. Him. Him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. God. Listen to I two people who quickly look I up hate, IMDb. I hate it when this happens. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I want to say Richard E. Grant. There you go. You got yeah. it. Well done. Okay. And uh, I didn't look that up. It just took a while <laughs> to get there. <laughs> Well, uh, another uh, filmmaker course, in his own right, by the way, Richard yeah, E. Grant. Well, yes, indeed. Warlock was the second film that Richard E. Grant did, and it was the film he did after Withnail and I. Ah, right. Okay, fair enough. Um, and interestingly, I mean, we we always, we nearly always this 
nearly always comes up in, in the podcast we do. <laughs> I know uh, you're going to say. Gonna, I'm going to say it this time because it's oh. normally something you'd bring up. But apparently oh, right. he did do a draft for Alien 3, which was actually rejected, right? <laughs> yes. People uh, speculate was the basis for Pitch Black. Right. Okay. That it which was a... Yeah. A, a kind of similar story. But mm-hmm. he just changed the um the creatures in it from aliens to the um the hammerhead flying shark creatures interesting mm. there you go you see mm. and apparently this is according to imdb but um he was also uh approached at one point to direct alien versus predator but turned it down due to scheduling conflicts so. That's right. Yes, um, I believe he was doing. Um, I think he was doing below at the at the same time. Oh, right. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess it worked out better that way because Alien versus Predator was such a train wreck, and um, I think any director who was on board that was. You know, it's kind of like it was just one of those projects. I don't. It would have been a, a miracle to have made a really good film out of it, and they had the ingredients there. But you know, it's just I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, old Paul W. S. Anderson. He just he did made an absolute pig's ear of that film, and <laughs> I, I still don't forgive him for fucking around with the alien biology and stuff i know you don't anybody you can go back to episode one folks <laughs> where it all began nearly a year ago that is scary isn't it we've been doing this for nearly a year right yeah a year in april my god there you go so um but yes i remember though with uh with david tui the first film i don't know whether it was his first film but the first one i remember seeing that he did was the the film called The Arrival, the the Charlie Sheen film. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that in the video shop because you had the picture. It, it was one of those weird pictures where you had, um, it was like a, a some sort of weird building in the forest at the bottom. And then you had like uh, half of Charlie Sheen's head and the other half was an alien. <laughs> you know, like a, one of these grey um, anal probing aliens. which could explain a a lot for what's going wrong with charlie sheen yeah i was gonna say maybe it was after that film it all went downhill was it (laughs) maybe they implanted him with tiger blood you know (laughs) gave them the idea that he was winning all the time yes yes so but yeah you know he has done um well what's he done about half a dozen films or so i suppose yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, he's done seven films, and um, he's been announced to be doing uh, another follow-up to um, uh, for for the Riddick films called Furia, uh, which is supposed to be like a prologue to Pitch Black. Oh, you see, and there was me thinking that I'd finally bought the ultimate, you know, Riddick trilogy on Blu-ray, and they're going to go and make another film and mess up that collection. Damn it! Uh, well, the what's known as the Chronicle of Riddick's films stories collections, it, it's really hard to complete because not only is it Pitch Black, Chronicles of Riddick, and Riddick, but you've also got the. Um, 
the video of uh, the animation dark fury fury yes. and you've also got the video game called butcher bay ah right yes then they all tie into the chronology and storyline of of that character don't they yes yes, yes. yeah so mm. but this is probably his most famous work i guess would be the fact that he is writer and director on the uh on the riddick films yeah yeah, yeah. and he's you know um he was the guy who gave us vin diesel indeed indeed which uh well you know i mean vin got his break in, in a manner of speaking through spielberg didn't he but i say this is um I'm right in saying this was the film that kind of, you know, really, you know, it made him a leading man. Oh, definitely. Yes. Because I don't think as much as he was in Saving Private Ryan, it's really he, he wasn't like one of the leads. He was in it very short. I mean, he was I think the only thing you can say is he was the first soldier in that troop that gets killed. Absolutely. What a, what a way to start, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. I'm not putting him down for that because that's a. Everybody would want to do a Spielberg film. Don't yeah. matter who you are, you would want, even if it's a small part, it's a part and it's a, it's a noticeable thing. I've got quite a, I got quite a bit of time and respect for Vin Diesel actually, because because you know he is a he is a massive you know movie fan himself. Uh, obviously, as a producer as well as an actor. Um, yes. And you know he got noticed because he he wrote, produced, and directed his own film that he, that he put out there you know that multi-facial uh which got him noticed and you know got him sort of on spielberg's radar and whatever for that but uh but yeah i mean this was kind of the first of his franchise movies um you know the other one of course being the uh, fast and furious films which i i also love you know i say that that's one of my guilty pleasures i actually really i really enjoy those films for what they are um and uh you, you know i'm i'm excited every every couple of years one when one comes out to go and see it obviously i'm uh, sadly it's now all shrouded by the very sad and untimely death of a, of another actor i thought was was decent which was paul walker you know yeah. um and uh it's a shame because i think it has tainted tainted that whole thing slightly um but uh but yeah um but i, I have a bit of trivia for you i'll go for it do you know why Vin Diesel did the cameo in uh, Fast and Furious 3 Tokyo Drift? I believe I do for this one. This was to do with him um, getting the rights from Universal to the Riddick character and being able to make the next Riddick movie. Is that right? Something exactly, like that. Exactly, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. So, so Vin Diesel actually owns the character of Riddick. And man, does he own it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but no, you know, I, I like what he's doing now. You know, it's, it's kind of in the way that growing up, I, you know, we already mentioned like Stallone and whatever, um, you, you know, loved watching his movies. Uh, again, a lot of which he wrote, produced and directed as well. Um, and, you know, loved some of his franchises and some of his characters. And, uh, you, you know, to an extent, Vin Diesel is kind of doing a, a similar thing for, for this generation, isn't he? So, you know, all good, all good. That's it. And I, I also love the, the voice work he does because um, not only was he the voice of the Iron Giant, but he was also the voice of Groot. Oh, that's right. Yes, absolutely. So he connected with the Marvel Universe as well. Look. 
There we yes. go. <laughs> yeah. And if he wants to, they could probably give him another character to play because it's only his voice. Yeah, it's only his voice just saying Groot. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, he said I am Groot so many different ways. He did. He did. Amazing. <laughs> and he also said we are Groot. He did. Let's move on to our picks of uh, for movie heaven. So uh, uh, I'm going to go first because okay. I think we've we've already we're already getting into it anyway. But uh, my pick for movie heaven is Pitch Black. Yay! Or now as it's called the Chronicles of Riddick, Pitch Black. Nah, let's <laughs> let's not call it that. Let's just call it Pitch Black. Let's call it what it is because what it was released in 2000. As. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Because in some weird way. Um, Pitch Black is kind of a very much a different film to the Chronicles of Riddick. Very much, yeah. To the point that um, it, it paints a sort of more realistic, gritty future than the sort of um, fantasy sci-fi future we get in Chronicles of Riddick. The, it's very weird how those two films can actually exist in the kind of same universe. It, it, it's. I think it's one of the things. I, I. As much as I like Chronicles of Riddick, I. I sort of in, enjoy it as a kind of guilty pleasure. There's also things about it makes it doesn't seem to connect up to Pitch Black very well, apart from the fact that it's got you know um, some of the same characters. Yeah. Universe wise, it doesn't feel the same. No, absolutely. Well, I mean, it is. You, you know. Um essentially pitch black is kind of a science fiction horror movie isn't it whereas um you, you know chronicles of riddick is is more of a sort of action adventure film that sort of kind of drops the horror element really doesn't it very yeah. much yeah but uh we're not talking about chronicles of riddick we're not we're talking about pitch black absolutely so let's let's talk about pitch black um so if you don't know what the story is it's about a uh, commercial freighter that crashes on a planet uh, the few survivors that are left uh, are left on a planet that um, has three suns, so there's no darkness. They have to um, contend with an escaped criminal who's uh, who likes playing with them, and uh, the um, you know trying to find a way off this planet before uh, a total eclipse arrives because the inhabitants are far more deadly than this criminal is. Yeah, basically they don't have a lot of luck, do they? <laughs> and this is, and, and this, this is one of the things that's kind of um, nice in, the, in this kind of uh, film um, is, is the setup. I mean, you, mm. you, you know, it goes immediately into this, this crash landing. So we're straight into it. Um, and, and essentially, you know, the, the, the people who survive that They've, they've got to not only, you know, survive in terms of food, water, shelter and all that sort of thing and try and find a way off the rock. But, you, you know, the, their timing couldn't be worse in, in the fact that, it, you know, it's it's co coincidentally, you know, coincides with this um, uh, solar eclipse as well. So, um, yes, it's bad news for the survivors of this journey, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, what I love about the story is that it's it's of it's very really it's very well constructed. So you've got a bit of a mystery going on. So so you have so they they've crash landed on this planet, and um, it's like in the middle of nowhere. 
they're sort of um, the ship wasn't on the sort of major shipping lines uh, so there's no rescue and so they need to find a way off off the planet and so through uh, searching they find this um, uh, small sort of outpost that's been abandoned and it does look like the Mary Celeste there's all this stuff left there and um, very reminiscent of Alien when you the the opening scene from Alien when you it's going the camera's going around the ship and you just sort of see things everything's sort of left in its place but there's nobody around and it's very much like that and you see these massive skeletons of these great beasts that have been been slaughtered god knows how many years before and of course the mystery is what what could have killed these massive beasts and of course they find out uh through one one cat to dig in a hole <laughs> yes yeah. to bury the bodies and also uh from finding out what happened to the colonists about these creatures and they're really well designed i mean the the whole sort of planet and the the creatures and everything are so well thought out so you have these creatures that can only uh, exist in the dark because sunlight hurts them or light hurts them and they're they're flying creatures that look like sharks hammerhead sharks uh, which they have arms and claws and they also have like a kind of tentacle that comes out of their their hands that's good for you know feeling because they they use they're like bats they use kind of like a radar to see and also they use their tails as well as uh, not only for just for stabbing but to also grab as well yeah and so you have these creatures that are absolutely deadly no and i have i have to say they're incredibly uh they're incredibly creepy and, and mm. well designed i mean that, that was one of the things about this film you, you know, way back when it came out and I first saw it, um, you know, that I, I thought worked really well is, is these these creatures were genuinely um, quite creepy and quite scary. And uh, and and yeah, the whole thing, you know, and like I said, if, if they didn't have enough bad luck as it was, <laughs> they throw this into the element. And uh, yes. It yeah. does seem rather desperate. It's like, my God, yes. what are these guys going to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they, there's a, a ticking clock element to it. And, um, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's great how the, um, the characters are as well. Because a lot of the characters aren't who you think they are. So you've got the main character, the, uh, the, the pilot, who's played by... Um, I'm going to massacre a name now, but... Um, Oh, is that it's... Rada Mitchell? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is kind of interesting because because you you know when you look at this film, mm -hmm. um, the 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 Richard B. Riddick character, you know uh, Vin Diesel's character. Yeah, I mean he's obviously an anti-hero anyway, but he's he's kind of not the main character in many respects. No, he's not. No. Yeah, though it is sort of uh, it kind of because the film starts off with his voiceover. That's right. Yes, it does. And I'm not sure if that's how they originally wrote it or if they decided to put that in because how well the the main him as a character was being received because he is um, 
throughout the sort of other films, you realise that he's a guy, he's a survivalist, he's a escape artist, but he only kills when he needs to. He doesn't, he likes to toy with people, really. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in Pitch Black. Pitch Black's mostly about fucking with people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, you have uh, Rada Mitchell as this character called Fry, as the pilot. Every and all the other survivors look to her as being um, the captain. They're always calling her captain, and she's she doesn't she hates it because of the fact that she was prepared to sacrifice their lives just to save her own, which then plays into the film where, um, in the end, you know, when she's given she's offered an, an out of this. When she's she's told, you know, take my hands, come with me, you know, you don't have to worry anymore, you don't, you know, you don't have to stay. And she sort of, you know, she then finds the courage to say, no, I'm going to stay, I'm going to save these people. Because, uh-huh. you know, because their lives do, do matter to me. She sort of kind of, you know, has to go through this whole entire film to learn this point. But it's a wonderful sort of um, progression for her character because she goes from being regretful of what her, you know, the decision she nearly made. Well, she she goes through it. If it wasn't for her her co-worker, you know, um, blocking the door, she would have she she actually would have flushed those people out. They would have, you know, they would have all died. Yeah, and we wouldn't have had much of a film. <laughs> no, absolutely. But but then you also have this character of John's played by Cole Hauser, and he looks like a cop. I mean, he's got gold badge and everything, and of course he turns out to be the villain of the piece, or one of the villains of the piece, because these creatures are definitely are the sort of um, antagonists of the film. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, again, I mean, this 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 is obviously written partly by Tui, but it's also partly by the, the Wheat Brothers that had done, I think they'd done one of the Nightmare on Elm Street films, and one of the sequels, and, and like The Fly 2 and a few other bits and pieces beforehand. But, you, you know, again, th- this this script is actually quite good because not only, not only have you got all these layers of, of problems that are going on on the planet, but mm. a, as you've already pointed out, you've got characters here that all, you know, have quite complex elements and um, intentions and things going on as well. And, and, and the character of John's played by Cole Hauser, you know, we, 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 we also learn that, you know, he's, he's got this, uh, he's an addict as well, isn't he? So uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. He's, um, he's addicted to morphine. Which, yeah. Uh, could have come in very handy for, uh, for uh, the pilot's, uh, you know, co-worker who gets impaled in the crash and, which is you know, pretty horrible yes yeah yeah he, he he dies in a lot of pain and uh and of course john's could have had the uh, you know he could have helped there but uh he was very selfish and kept the drugs for himself yeah i mean it was interesting of the survivors one of the things i did sort of think oh that's that's it is no none of them actually came out of the landing with any sort of 
major injuries at all, did they? In fact, in fact, I did think that uh, Rada Mitchell looked incredibly clean, considering all of the earth from the planet had gone sort of through the oh, window God, yeah. and her, when, when she crashed but you know i'm being very nitpicky now but uh <laughs> you know was, um but yeah but, i mean that, the crash sequence is amazing i mean it it's is. really well done yeah and the uh bit as well with the um as as they're about the window smashes and they're about to hit the ground and it's these close-ups of her eye and it's they're kind of being stretched and stuff i mean it's it's really cool mm-hmm. um but I I have to say that that this is gonna be, this is a criticism not just of this film, but a lot of David Tui films. He always has this sort of sequence where there's some weird editing in it. Yes, <laughs> where it's really just too flashy for its own sake. And there's a bit when, um, I think it's when the first guy gets killed when he's digging the hole. And they, uh, one of the characters runs. I think it's the, the Australian girl, uh, played by Cordia Black, runs the hole, and it's. He, he, she sees Reddick there, and there's this really weird, you know, like series of close-ups where he's on one side of the screen and the other side of the screen, and, and they're really fast cut, and then he sort of moves away, and it's just like, huh? Yeah, I think he's trying to be a bit sort of showy offy sometimes but, but there's there's always kind of like stuff in these other films where that happens yeah i mean for with chronicles of riddick they there's the fight scene um on the 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 uh, crematoria yeah you know you've got the prison guards trying to escape you've got the convicts trying to get to the ship and then you've got the necromongers there fighting and it does this really elliptic editing where it's really hard to see what's going on and it's like what the fuck why yeah (laughs) now he does this in well i think most of the films we're going to talk about tonight um there is an element of that most definitely yes yes so that must be a bit of a uh a (laughs) two-eyism it's a two-e cut yes indeed indeed they've got you know quite a a varied sort of band of survivors um well initially from the crash uh Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, the film itself is also, um, uh, I know, I know it came out as a, there was a theatrical version and then there was an R rated version, which the only differences to my knowledge are the, the, the fact that the R rated was just a bit more violent and a bit more gory. Um, certain, certain... Uh, well, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think the cut over, I think what we got here is exactly the same as the R rated. I mean, the, I saw the R rated version. There was just a few extra scenes in there, which, you know, didn't really add anything to it. I think everything else is exactly like it was in the cut over here. I don't know if it was really badly cut over the States. It might have been. Maybe. It might have been all those shots of gore and stuff were were taken out for the American Cup, but there was exactly, um, there was nothing on the gore level that I hadn't seen already on the UK version, and I saw this at the cinema. Yeah, because it's quite nasty in places, isn't it? Mm. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of it's more what you don't see than what you see, actually. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah, yeah that's, that's correct. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, also, I, mean I, I love, I mean, Keith David's always great. He's brilliant. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, 
the whole idea of him being this holy man uh, on his way to New Mecca, which, um, you know, we, we sort of catch up with him again later in the Chronicles of Riddick. But, um, but it was his three boys that he has with him. Oh, man. <laughs> they do go out in some really nasty ways. They do, yeah. I mean, especially that first kid when he gets... Um, he sneaks into uh, what's called the core room. And um, it's because everything's... Cause there's outposts. Everything's solo. Um, it's powered by the sun. And um, John's trying to get into there. And Riddick says, oh, he can't get in. And he sort of... He, he sort of takes this uh, cover off where you have um, Jack hiding, who's this uh, kid who's, um, you know, spoiler, is a girl pretending to be a boy. <laughs> <laughs> and it was also idolising Riddick and having, you know, shaved her hair off and wearing the, uh, the goggles as well. Uh, she's hiding there. And of course, you know, that's one thing about Riddick is he's really hard to sort of sneak up on. And of course, reveals this solar panel, and there's poor kids in there, and of course, so are the creatures, and of course, they hate the sunlight, so they're going to go for whatever's, you know, you know, wherever the darkness is, and this poor kid just happens to hide in the wrong place, and you don't actually see the attack, you hear it, but then we see the remains afterwards, and it's literally picked to the bone. Mm. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty nasty, and um, you, you know, obviously, the thing about riddick in this film uh that plays as part of his backstory is he's actually had his his eyes um worked on to allow him to see in the dark right but obviously it makes him incredibly sensitive to light he's had a sur surgical sh shine job yeah he had to pay something um a doctor in a in a was it no light slam 20 cool 20 calls yeah that's right yeah. in order to yeah. so he can protect himself in this dark prison but uh yeah i but the, the the thing is though it's um i think there's a kind of a hint to chronicles of riddick about where those eyes really came from yes yeah yeah, yeah they've they, they, they've given him this sort of, sort of whole backstory but i mean that that's his thing isn't it that's his kind of like uh yes so secret he, weapon he can, yeah <laughs> Uh, this is what makes him very useful to the the rest of the group is the fact that he can see in the dark yeah. where they can't. It's absolutely what serves this story, isn't it? From a yeah. character point of view, it's yeah. it's kind of the thing yeah. that uh, that this convicted, you know, anti-hero guy is 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 incredibly useful for the survival of all of them because of this advantage that he's got of being able to see in the dark. <laughs> and it also makes it kind of interesting uh, from a story point of view is that they need this guy, but they don't know if they can trust him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you're never quite sure if he's going to turn, if he's going to fuck him over at any point. Which he, could, he could do because he is he so done, not he a hero, this guy, you know, in, no, in, in any an of anti -hero. the films. He's very yeah, much he's an anti -hero. hero. Yeah, absolutely. Which is great because we don't get many of them these days. We don't get many anti-heroes in in films. No, so absolutely. It's it's that's uh, one of the things why I I do like about the Riddick films is the character Riddick, because mm -hmm. he is this guy who, on the surface, you know, he's an anti-hero, but he certainly does care, or he tries to sort of, you know, he tries to give people a chance. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and he only kills unless he has to. So. 
it's it's kind of like one of those things but when it, in pitch black when you're introduced to him you're introduced to him as this you know stone cold killer and of course it's if anything this film is about that um that appearances can be deceptive mm, indeed yeah yeah both with riddick and of course with the john's character um uh, played by cole hauser as well uh, yeah. as you said i think for for m- most of the characters in this film it's it's the case i mean i mean also the fact with um with jack yeah you know finding out you know especially when they're, <laughs> they're out there in the middle of the darkness surrounded by these creatures that it turns out not only is she a girl but she's also uh, on her period as well <laughs> exactly and which is a, the thing that's attracting the uh the, the creatures in the first place which is yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh no it's, it's it's absolutely i mean it is i think i think both I, th- I think the thing that makes this film strong i mean it is very well made and and, and quite well acted etc but the um uh, you know the, the 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 story, the script itself is actually very multi-layered, both with plot and characters. And um, you, you know they've got the balance very good here because often you you can get some films that have you know got a really good story, a really good plot, really interesting, but the the characters are just sort of um, uh, three di- you know two-dimensional stereotypes or whatever. Uh, or you get something that's got really interesting sort of um you know multi-dimensional characters and whatever but they're they're in a in a story that's that's kind of not a lot happens and is a bit sort of bland or dull and i think mm. one of the things that this film does incredibly well for a sort of you know moderate budget film that it was at the time i guess um is is the the strength of it is is around that the fact that both um character and plot is 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 very very nicely paced and uh, measured and uh, obviously you know credit to David Tui. Um this is not badly directed at all. I mean I do take your point that it is a, a little over showy in places with with some of the editing. Well, some of the I just I, I mean it was really just one place. I mean it's the rest of the film is edited really well. It's yeah. just that one decision that it, it is he has that in his films where there's that one spot where you just question the choice of editing but um it's almost like he thinks he's got to be arty at one point or something yeah. when 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 basically he's making genre films god damn yeah <laughs> but I, I have to say something about his writing and the thing about his writing it, it's very it's it's never winky it's never sort of saying oh this is from something else it's very true to the story it's telling so mm-hmm. you're very much with those characters on that planet and um you know, not once are you sort of put out by some sort of, you know, um, homage or, you know, Easter egg that's in the film that says, oh, look, you know, this sci-fi film, look, remember this sci-fi film? It's not. You are there with those people on that planet. Yeah. And you're, you're watching them and hoping that they get out of this. No, absolutely. I agree with that. In fact, uh, yeah, Um when we get on to some of my points, uh, uh, some of my picks, I'll, I'll be sort of enhancing the, that point very much, actually. So, um, yeah, no. So, Pitch uh, Black, we like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with you on any of this. I, I, I enjoyed, when I first saw the film, even, you know, obviously it was before Vin Diesel was a big name and it was before, you know, the whole Riddick thing was a franchise. It was just this film called Pitch Black. And... Um, 
you, you know, I, I found it to be very effective. I, I too saw it at the cinema and, um, yeah, I thought to myself, really like that one and, and made sure I got it when it came out on, uh, on DVD and, uh, I've since, you know, just recently bought it on Blu-ray. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a good solid action sci-fi horror film. Yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's great. And I, I enjoy, um, I come back to watch it, you know, every couple of years and I still sort of get caught up in it and it's, it's great. It's a, it's a great little sort of horror sci-fi film. Yeah. And, uh, if you've not seen it, well worth checking out. Well worth um, checking out, indeed. I mean, yeah. I, I would say, I have to say, out of um, uh, David Toy's um, filmography, uh, I do actually think that this is his best film. I mean, if you hadn't have already selected it as movie heaven, um, <laughs> I probably would have. But no, no I, I do think that this is a, a yeah. very strong contender and, and works very well all round. And, um, it... But saying that, <clears throat> saying that, your pick for movie heaven... Mm-hmm. Um, I I hadn't watched, hadn't seen, and so I had to watch it for this, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, good, because I thought so you might. Was... I, I I thought it was one potentially. You know, sometimes we don't always agree on things. I thought this might have been one that potentially you uh, you didn't like, but it's it's good to hear I... you enjoyed it. <laughs> well, this was one of the things. Uh, I thought it was another film. Oh, and good. I think you 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 mentioned that as well when um, <laughs> we were talking about our picks, and you said, "Oh, I just watched it, and I I thought it was another film." <laughs> I thought yeah. it was, and it did. I thought it was the um, because at the time you had these spat of um, films, um, which had to do with holiday makers, um, sort of either being picked off for their organs and stuff. Yeah. Now and I thought it was one of those films. Absolutely. Well, that's exactly, I mean, I, I guess I should say, you know, in case people say, well, yeah. what is the fucking film then? It's, it's, it's a perfect <laughs> getaway, which he made in, in 2009, which is a, essentially a thriller. Um, but yes, I did exactly the same thing. I mean, I think this is the problem when you, when you, I mean, you used the term a few podcasts back about how you, consume material you know you you Mm. you you watch so many films and tv shows just so many a week and um you you know that that's that's what i've done most of my life and um what happens i think is when you end up seeing so many particularly if they're not by necessarily a a a big famous director you know it's not like always or a big blockbuster or something when you kind of see all the stuff that just happens in between Sometimes, yeah, you, you end up watching so many that you do, they do sort of blend and you do get confused. And I indeed, originally, when we were, get, we were talking about doing uh, David Toy as our, um, as our T, as we'd already obviously done Tarantino when we yeah, cheated yeah. with Q, um, <laughs> uh, you, you know, I looked at his filmography and of course, other than the Riddick films, which were the obvious ones, I was like, okay, what else has he done? And I looked and I did indeed, I, I thought the perfect getaway, I was getting confused with a film called uh, Paradise Lost or Teristas, as it was called in, in the States, oh, that's right, yeah. which is a John yeah. Stockwell movie starring Melissa George and is absolutely about, you know, um, uh, people who go on holiday and end up with, you know, organs missing and things of that nature. Great film in its right, that one. But it wasn't until I I revisited this that I was like, oh, shit, that wasn't the film I was thinking at all. However, um, I obviously persevered with it and watched it. And I thought, no, I'm going to stick with this as uh, as movie heaven, because I think it is a really good thriller. Um, yeah. 
to the point where I actually ended up watching it twice. And the reason for that is, and, and I'm sorry, uh, listeners, if, if you guys do hate spoilers, but this but is going to be... Spoiler warning. Yeah, this is going to be kind of a difficult film, really, to talk about without ruining it. It's one of those films, unfortunately. Yeah. So if you, if you haven't seen it and you don't, I, I suggest you skip forward half an hour or whatever on this on this podcast but or or the other alternative (laughs) is you stop the podcast now and go and watch the film and then come back and then you can that's we can talk about that's exactly that's the beauty of recorded stuff absolutely you can stop it and come back um (laughs) so yeah so this was a film um this one was actually not only directed by but this was written by david tui as well so it you know purely is a piece of his work um it, uh, it stars uh, Timothy Oliphant, uh, Timothy the Oliphant packed his trunk and, <laughs> and, went, and, and went, he went off to the circus. He went to Hawaii uh, <laughs> to, to, to very much channel Bill Paxton, I felt, most of the time in terms of his performance. But uh... well, if he was um, if he was channeling uh, Bill Paxton, then Steve Zane was definitely channeling um, David Tui. There you go. Because he, he looked. Because that the whole look of Steve Zane in the film with glasses and everything, he really does look like um, David Tui. Yes, now, and he's playing I, a screenwriter in Inverted And he's playing Thomas. a screenwriter. And they talk about screenwriting as well. And the, um, the talk of serial killers in films or killers in films. Exactly, and, exactly. Um, it's a very it's a very clever script. It is. It's a very clever script. And the thing is as well was I, I was going, Oh, I know the twist. I know what the twist is. I know what the twist is. Mm-hmm. And then when the twist happens, he went, Oh my fucking god, I did not see that. Yeah, I mean this is exactly why I had to watch it twice, because I'm usually, you know, I like to think of myself as usually quite astute with these sort of things, yeah. And and like you, you you know, the the film is is very much set up to imply certain twists um but you, you know when there is the twist which we will come to um it, it it's it's not what you think it is so i had to go and watch it a second time it's one of those mm. films you know you watch it the first time pure and then you watch it again you, you know knowing having the knowledge to see if it still works because i thought to myself hold on there were scenes in this that wouldn't have made sense and and i went back and, and re-watched in fact what i did is i watched the director's cut, the cut, the unrated cut. He always seems to have two cuts of most of his films um, right. first. And then I went back and watched the theatrical. So that way I could also see what the differences were. And there, there weren't that many, to be honest, even though there's a sort of 10 minute difference in running time. But yeah. um, but yes, as you've mentioned, so we've got Timothy Oliphant and S- Steve Zane um, playing two characters. And then you've got, as, as their partners, you've got um, Steve Zane's partner is... Uh, Mila Jolovich, um, yeah. and uh, Katie, uh, sorry, Keely Sanchez is uh, Timothy Oliphant's partner. Well, there's also there's a third couple as well. Well, there is Thor's by... in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a very sort of short haired. Well, no, he wasn't short haired, but he was sort of very grizzly looking. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, exactly. And he had uh, Marley Shelton in it as well, who yes. was um, I, 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 who I really liked in. Um, Planet Terror. Absolutely. I thought she was very good in that. No, she was. I mean, Chris Hemsworth, yeah. even in, you know, even pre-Thor, had amazing abs. 
You know, it's like, I, I was like, I hate you. I hate you on all levels. This is just not fair. <laughs> so, so essentially, this film gets set up. Um, yeah, so what's, what's the story? Right, what's the story? but basically, you've got a young, uh, sort of very conservative American, actually somewhat annoying couple uh, that are going on their honeymoon in Hawaii. And uh, if, if nothing else, this film, not only does it work quite well as a story, but in terms of photography and whatever, this is absolutely beautiful because, um, you know, it is all, you know, uh, deep, rich green forests and blue skies and blue sea. And it's, it's very nice. I mean, Hawaii is one of those places on my want to go list badly and uh, this film cement i thought hawaii 50 did it but this film cements it even more (laughs) so okay so they're in hawaii they're in hawaii (laughs) on their honeymoon and i have to say you know they are set up as this um uh, it starts off you, you see some little uh home video sequences from their uh from their wedding um, where, where guests, et cetera, had been interviewed. And what they're doing is they're basically documenting everything on what now looks like old technology um, mm. Sony camcorder. Um, oh, that's a, a Sony HDV. There you go, circa yeah. 2009 or whatever. <laughs> can I can I just say, when we're talking about the opening sequence with the, um, the sort of uh, wedding video, I, I, when I was watching that, I was going... Oh, I'm not liking this. I really, this is. I, I was just getting off to such a bad start, but uh, but then it comes back. It does to it, yeah. and it, it, it and you go, oh, okay, and that sort of makes sense why it's there because as a beginning, I think this is why. I think this is a problem why people don't know this film very well because they probably did sit down and try and watch it, and to get past that opening segment is quite difficult because it's just. It's you're not generic. Quite sure what the film? Yeah, it's yeah, very. You're not quite I mean, sure what the film is. I mean, in in the in the unrated, you know, the director's cut of this, there is more of that basically. So if you weren't a fan oh, of the uh, video <laughs> opening, the home video opening, then 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 yeah. you know the the director's cut wouldn't make it any better. So so we we see this, and, and they're on their they're on their honeymoon uh, in Hawaii, and you you know they this is this straight away. I'm thinking, God, this is a very diff- different role for. Uh, uh, Mila Jovovich, you know, she's she's very um, not her usual, you know, what you you expect from her from her Resident Evil films and things of that nature. And uh, you, you know, Steve Zahn, who's usually the funny man, uh, the funny sidekick, you know. And I think, okay, well, they're they're leads in this, but th- this is interesting. So th- th- they're in Hawaii, and the, one of the first things they do is um, they go to pick up a couple of hitchhikers, which. Um, it's something they, 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 they don't normally do in, in the dialogue, what they say. And um, those are indeed the ones played by uh, Chris Hemsworth and uh, Marley. Is it Shelton? Marley Shelton. Yeah. Um, and basically they, they, they get a bit of a bad vibe from these two. Um, you know, these are they, they play very sort of new age, much sort of different uh, types of characters. You know, he's got. He's got tattoos. Well, they, they, they... the thing is, I, I, I sorry to stop you there, right. but I, I, he does smack her. Yeah, oh yeah, he is. He's, he's yeah, and it's nasty. just like he, 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 he comes across as a nasty piece of work, you know. So he, they, they're coming off as, as trouble. It's exactly, it's very like, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and they, and they keep popping up as well. They keep following them. Yeah, 
they're called Cal and Cleo are the, are the characters' yeah. names, and and yeah. and yeah, you, you, you know they they um they they make them feel very uncomfortable, and they 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 end up they they don't give them they they lie about where they're going, and they don't give them a lift, and they sort of carry on with that without them, and and go do this trail. Um, now when they're doing that, uh, they, they have to cross some some rather sort of uh, treacherous cliffside rock areas and um, suddenly enter character Nick played by Timothy Oliphant who uh, who kind of sort of breezes by them and sort of says oh you know you just have to take it easy and not look down and all this sort of thing and kind of helps them across and and they get talking. Um, Now uh, his character Nick is is very different he's this this guy is is Totally opposite to Steve Zahn. He's, he's, he's a confident, uh, somewhat cocky character, definitely trying to be the alpha male through this entire thing. Um, gives them all these stories about when he when he used to fight in the special forces and how he's got a sort of metal plate in his skull as a result of it. And all, all, all these bits and pieces. And, and of course, this is where they get into the whole quizzing about being a screenwriter and... Um, Think things of that nature. So they set up this character, and they, this is where you also meet his his not his wife, but his girlfriend Gina, which is played by uh, Keely Sanchez. And uh, they're, they're they're much these these guys are much more liberal, you know, much less conservative. Um, you know, they like to go skinny dipping, and they're very confident with their with their bodies and with each other. And um, basically, uh, y- y- you know. Um, I, I, the Steve Zahn character who, um, what's his name in it? Cliff, isn't it? Cliff is, yeah. is, is so, somewhat intimidated or so we think by, um, but by, <laughs> by Nick. Anyway, what, what, whilst they're on the hike, they, they come across, uh, some, some tourist girls that, are that, that are just saying, I mean, of course this is a 2009, I guess you could kind of get away with this. This is, this is one of those islands or you know more southern islands on in hawaii which uh doesn't have very good cell reception <laughs> so um they, they the, these girls are trying to get through to their parents because there'd been reports on the news that their parents are worried about about um how, how uh, there's a married couple that have been killed on another island and they are worried that and the report is that these uh this couple has been well the killers who've been caught on camera uh have been spotted going to the same island and they do this sort of joke where they go, oh, are you a couple? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're, we've just been married. It's our honeymoon. And you see the girls running off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, what it is, is so you have these three couples and they keep encountering each other as they go along. Uh, they're, they're trying to they're going along this trail, which they have to have a um, a permit to, to travel on because it's a, you know, it's a nature reserve and all that kind of stuff. And as you're going along, you're questioning who at the other two couples are the killers Exactly, and this is the sort of game where you you don't know if it's if it's Nick and Gina, or if it's Cleo and Cal. I mean, because you know, especially when Nick's showing off with the you know his uh, bow and arrow and stuff, and wants to take uh, Cliff hunting, you think, oh, we, oh, hunting really? Does you know? 
And it doesn't help that uh, Cliff and Sin- Sydney's paranoia, you know, keeps playing into it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm racking my brains here while I'm talking and I can't think of it. I've lost the name. This is actually the trail they're doing is a very famous trail in Hawaii. Um, beautiful trail but i can't the name of it's gone completely out of my head so um apologies but uh <laughs> so yeah yeah so there, there is this whole sort of um you know who is it and and yeah the, the you, you know you're wondering the whole time whether you can trust um nick and gina because uh yeah exactly he goes out they go and hunt one one uh one evening and get a he gets a goat <laughs> uh kills a goat and brings it back for them to feed on and uh, that's right. kind of freaks them out oh and of course gina can i can can actually gut the the goat and everything yeah, yeah. no exactly gina's um yeah experienced in working you know uh in an yeah. abattoir or whatever that's and, it. And I mean, to... it doesn't help that they've got uh, a bow and arrow they've got um a hatchet and they've also got a knife exactly they've got all <laughs> these all these all these very very dangerous weapons as well yeah absolutely um one of the things as well we learn is um uh the girls when the men are off hunting the girls have mm. their sort of uh girly chat moment and we we learn that sydney which is uh Jolovich's character um she she talks about a, a, an old love of hers uh when she was very young um that had uh you, you know kind of was it was a bit <laughs> what, what, what's the word she, she they're in the car making out well more than making out and uh then he tells her to turn the headlights on and there's actually the, the next door neighbor's dog hanging, which he'd, he'd killed beforehand. So she, she, she'd met this guy that was somewhat off the rails when she was very young yeah. and impressionable. Yeah. That's right. And she was saying that, um, um, you know, he'd said that if he told, if she told anybody he would kill her. And of course, um, Gina was the first person that she's ever told. Absolutely. But I think I think we're gonna get into the twist spot because this, I have to say this is this is the first indication that something's not c- quite right. I mean, it's one of those stories where it's kind of like, oh, okay, that's kind of dark. Yeah. But then thinking about it and knowing the twist, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, well, I mean, the thing is, it goes. I mean, this runs that the film is about one hour forty minutes, and it over an hour of it before the the twist is revealed. And it does up until that point, And this is, was my thoughts on it um, when I was first watching it was it was an enjoyable, well-made run of the mill thriller. Yeah, it was yeah. it was it was enjoyable enough at this point. Yeah, However, I was kind of wondering why is why is Keith picked this as movie? Heaven? <laughs> yes. Well, um, this is why I sort of stuck with it, because when, when when this happened, I actually thought this worked quite well. So, yes. Essentially, um, they, they, they then make it to the beach, which is kind of at the end of the trail where they where, where they were headed. The destination is, is this beach. And it's, it's very nice. You see people, you know, playing football on the beach and things of that nature. And um, uh, Cliff, Steve Zahn's character, um, basically hires a couple of um, kayaks and suggests to Nick that they go kayaking to uh to see to see the caves to see the 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 the, the, the water for sea caves right yeah and uh 
Nick's is kind of, oh, no, you know, Nick had other plans, which 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 we find out. And um, yeah. he was kind of wanting to stick around on the beach and, and wait for the girls who had gone for a walk. And, you know, Zahn says, oh, what about all your, you know, hero war stories? Come on, you know, a bit of kayaking isn't going to ha- hurt you. And besides, you can pitch your movie idea to me. So <laughs> so he kind of gets uh, so, so, somewhat coerced and bullied in, into into going with him on this um on this little kayak trip and as they're pulling away the girls come back to the beach and um gina's kind of annoyed she's like oh my god where are they going now you know um i thought we were gonna spend the evening together and uh, you know the boys have gone off on an adventure and what she decides to do is obviously that um uh, Cliff and, and Sydney had been documenting this whole thing on this, uh, as I said, this this HD camcorder. So she decides to pick it up and 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 film them, uh, you, you know, going away around the out to sea and around the corner. Once she's finished that, she realizes that the SD card, uh, um, which takes the photos on that camera, has popped out. So she she mm. she she puts it in. And start sort of the, the, some of the wedding photos. Well, some of the holiday photos. And as she goes back, it goes to wedding photos um, come up. So she starts to have a bit of a flick through them, just a little sneaky nosy. And this is where this is where I think it's quite nicely directed, actually, because mm. we don't see what she's looking at. And the camera sort of slowly pushes in on her. And, and the actress, uh, again, she's very good here. You see her, you, you suddenly see her uh, expression change. And she drops the camcorder and suddenly rushes after them and is trying to cry to Timothy Oliphant's character to come back. Right. But obviously he's so far out at that point, he can't hear what she's saying. And he just sort of waves to her and says, I'll be back. So then um, Gina's kind of like, shit, what am I going to do? And she looks and we see the where the waterfalls are. Um, up in the hills and she knows that that's obviously where it will probably lead to the uh the sea caves so she suddenly grabs the um the hatchet and 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 makes like you wouldn't believe like there's no tomorrow after this right so you know at this point i was still wondering what is it then what's going on what what's what's she seen um in the meantime sydney picks up the camera and looks and sees what she's seen and drops the camera and runs after. And that's when we actually get the reveal. The camera lands on the sand and there is the wedding photo. And hey, guess what, folks? The the, the married couple are not Steve Zahn and Mila Yulovich. They're a totally different couple altogether. And yep. this is where we then learn this is the twist that basically these guys are in fact the serial killers <laughs> and and it's quite well done i quite like this bit yeah and 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 so it leads to the uh the sea cave uh, so now you know something's up and uh sort of steve zahn's character cliff shows his true colors uh and uh he shoots um nick in the head and it then it's it's a really good cut because you see Nick fall forward and then it cuts to the 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 man the man from the the couple falling over and it's a flashback and it's all blue yeah and you see uh, Cliff looking completely different he he in the flashback he looks really dodgy then he's got a beard and his hair's a lot longer and everything 
and uh, what they do is they they uh, they learn that because they spent time with this couple they sort of learnt everything about them and then so they assume their identities they uh, they start to live their life yeah. I mean this is why I had to go back and rewatch it because yeah when this twist you know it does and anybody i mean anybody if any of you have been to the youtube page and watched um some of my films um you you'll, you'll kind of understand why this type of movie appeals to me because i i tend to like to do things that have twists but also i like to work with flashback as well and and there's quite a i have to say in the director's cut the flashback is even longer i think it's actually a little too long uh, right. they almost go into a bit too much detail but you have this you know quite artfully done black and white um with color bits uh flashback which shows exactly like you said them assuming the identity of of of, of this married couple going back through the history on their uh, camcorder uh vi- the cassette part of it at least um to uh to sort of find out more about them and gain a backstory and uh you know make themselves appear more like this couple and um and and, you know basically assume this role um Mm. which explains a lot because as i said for the longest time i thought my god these guys are such kind of an annoying couple but when you go back and watch it <laughs> you realize that it's all about information gathering and, pers- and playing a persona playing this role yeah. so within the well, film exactly because their goal is is to to kill uh nick and gina and then take over their roles their life them. yeah yeah absolutely i mean and we also this is also where we learn mm. that uh Steve Zahn is, in fact, uh, this guy. I think I think the character's name was Rocky, actually. Who right. um, yeah. the story that uh, that um, Sydney had, had told Gina about the, the, the when she was very young, the 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 guy she sort of lost her virginity to that had killed the uh, dog next door, etc. And says, if you ever tell anyone, I will kill you. Well, hey, it turns out that this is the guy that she spent her life with. Well, we and- we figure out it's never said. It's yeah. never said, but because what they do, you figure out. Well, this is <laughs> this is the same guy. It must be because, you know, because you know they're they're doing these these killings and everything. I mean, it could also mean that, um, you know, she just likes crazy guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. At the end of the day, you figure out that this guy must be the same one because the likelihood of having two psychotic boyfriends in her life. It's really, it's you know, lightning doesn't strike twice unless you're John McClane. Ah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Old habits, they're like John McClane. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, you, you know, in, in this, it's funny, actually, because on one hand, you could think and, you know, you might be listening to this thinking, what, whatever, you know, that this sounds like a, a really sort of weak twist. Um but it is actually handled and done really well and totally works. So that video you had to sit through at the beginning and suddenly makes sense. It makes total sense. Absolutely. Sense, yeah. And you got, because you do wonder why the hell it's there. Yeah. Yeah. But it turns out it's there for a very good reason. The other thing you see as part of this flashback is you then get Nick and Gina's side of, of, of their backstory. And mm. essentially, um, 
they've been together years, but he's he's obviously never proposed to her. And the the, the, <laughs> yeah. the point was he wanted to re- propose to her on the beach at sunset um, on this trip, which was why he was somewhat reluctant to initially go out on the kayak anyway. So we we, we get yeah. a bit of that backstory. Um, then obviously it comes back up to date and, and we're continuing with the, uh, with, with the chase. And, um, obviously, uh, Mila Jolovic is caught up with, which she's doing more of her usual thing now, a sort of badass fighting yeah. stuff. She's caught up with, um, uh, Keely and they are, you know, they have a fight and Steve Zahn is also trying to, uh, to, 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 to climb up the mountain so that he can he can uh, kill her as well and there's all the usual you know the usual suspense tropes but they're all done pretty well in yeah. the meantime yeah. back in the cave we find that the story that um that nick had said about having this metal plate in his head uh was in fact true so that uh, what we thought may have been a fatal headshot um he actually survives and he then yeah you know, Rambo's up <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to put a Stallonism in there. Uh, Rambo's up to, 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 to go and obviously rescue um, Gina. And this is, yeah. you know, you say about a bit of odd editing. This was one of the bits I thought was a bit weird when he did the sort of split right. the screen okay. in three. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have to say, uh, this is the only time when we get a 2E cut that I actually liked. And this was the um, the split screen of um, of Gina being chased by um, Cliff, because Gina's been able to overpower um, Sydney, and uh, I don't know. I think she knocks her into the sea or something. Mm-hmm. She does. Yeah, she throws, she throws her off the. It's obviously not a high cliff, but she throws her yeah. off part into the sea. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, and so she's running away from uh, Cliff, and they they do this. It's, I thought I thought that was done really well because you can see um, him chasing after, and it, it, the way it sort of cuts together, it's it, for for a chase. It's very it's very interesting. Hmm. I actually I actually did quite like that one. It, it, it did strike me as showy though, because bearing in mind very showy, just had yeah. the very arty flashback thing, which I thought they did handle quite well. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, moments later, you've got this bunged in. You know what? I, I just want to say something. We, we, we missed a, a, a marvellous part in the um, the flashback because you see... It, also in the flashback, you get to see um, them talking and doing stuff as when they, they're with the other couple. Yes. When they're sort of in more in their own characters. And when they're on the beach before they decide to, to kill the couple... Uh, Steve Zahn talks about if I look away, does the world stop? That's right. Because I'm not looking at it. And you see the the world actually freeze frame. Yeah. And that was really, I mean, that was one of the things I really liked about it. Because, you know, it, also the fact that these characters kind of had like a, a philosophy behind what they were doing. Because they wanted to live forever. And their idea of living forever was taking over these Others people's lives. lives. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. And also you sort of see how they deal with the like cutting the uh, not only collecting the teeth but cutting the um fingernails as uh, not fingernails sorry the, the the fingertips off of the victims so that they can't yeah. be easily identified, identified and all of that stuff yeah. so yeah, yeah you get a lot in yeah. there i mean 
you, you know, that there, there, there's there's a lot that happens. Um, now, I don't know. I'm kind of the very, very end, which we're kind of coming up mm. to, because I realize we have done a real plot by plot on this, which uh, yeah. I, I'm almost kind of reluctant to talk about because I think anyone that is listening might want to go and watch this and see how it ends. I don't know whether I want to. <laughs> we we sport the twist. I don't know whether I want to spoil yeah. the ending as well. Um, well, I mean, it's. I think the, the ending is very much a... Uh, I think the sort of norm for this. It's a bit Hollywood. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, it's one of those endings where um, I I think it works because as much as I like that these, the the couple, when they, when you find out who they really are, they, they really, they really needed to be stopped. And that's, that's what happens. And, and so I was quite happy with that. Mm. I mean, I don't know how I would have felt if, they had gotten away with it and they were still out there yeah yeah i i did i did like this ending i thought i thought that works very well well without going into what the ending no is. no well i mean i, I like i'll be honest i like the whole film i thought that this it wasn't you know from my understanding it was only a moderate moderate success it's not one of those yes. films that's particularly well known or is done particularly uh, amazingly but it's one of those I would say you know again for anyone listening that, that's looking for new stuff it's kind of one of those hidden gems because it is actually yes. a very very good action thriller um, beautifully you know as I said beautifully shot in Hawaii it looks amazing um, and uh, you know credit to the actors in this I think they all do a fairly stand-up job I don't think there's like yeah. a pony performance in there uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, if Pitch Black would be my, you know, number one um, uh, David Tui film, I would definitely put this one as number two, most definitely. Uh, I, I would as well. Yeah. And, you know, to sort of wrap this up by saying that the, um, the story for this came from his own, that David Tui went on holiday to, to Hawaii and he just remembered how people seem to tell you you know when you're on holiday people tell you more about themselves than they would in their normal lives so the sort of the the gem the idea came from from that Mm -hmm. what if you know these two killers you know you know preyed on that preyed on that information and were able to go around and live off uh off you know off that information yeah and uh, it's it's a, a very enjoyable thriller with a, a twist I didn't see coming, and uh, yeah, it's well worth checking. No, out. I'm really glad you liked it actually, because I, I must admit I was thinking, is this one of these ones that Simon's going to bloody hate and say, "What the fuck, Keith?" You know what I mean? I I I, I mean I, I I was even 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 though I originally I thought it was a different film, I was still yeah. absolutely 100 percent. Yeah, no, this, this is great and. Um, you know, uh, th- th- this is one it of those that was. needs to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> it nearly was. It nearly was. Anyway, um, we'll be back after these messages with our picks for movie hell. Do you like science fiction and fantasy? Do you like things to be rigorously or rather obsessively alphabetized? Then do we have the show for you. The A to Z of SFF takes a wry, lightly fictionalised approach to the compulsive breaking over of pop culture artefacts that make up so much of today's podcastosphere. 
We cover everything from Aaron A. Aardvark to Zardoz and all points in between. Zardoz might be a welcoming mind. We've been at this for a year and we haven't finished the A's yet. The A to Z of SFF, a podcast of epic triviality. Two men, 26 letters, one universe. Search for us on iTunes or your favourite podcast app as the A to Z of SFF. Or check out our website, the A to Z of SFF.com. constant watch. Yeah, well, that much I know, but who done it? You don't even try and stop me. You know I'm going to harm you, yet you do nothing. What about that wonderful husband of yours? Oh, Martin. I love him. Well, someone has to die. Available now on Amazon.com, on DVD and video on demand. Kane, the Stone Cold Assassin. Three men, Corbin Taylor, Zeke Jones and Jesse Williams, were held for questioning by Marshall Gazer. His revenge will be swift. Ain't you the law around here, Sheriff? Nowhere to run. No place to hide. Jesse, you ever meet Kane? The new violent and bloody horror short from director Mike Tack. Red Wolf Pines. Is that what you told Luke? He died like the dog he was. Starring Keith Hiles as Kane. That bastard ain't gonna find us out here. Available on YouTube and official website, www.apocalypticconservatory.com. Red Wolf Pines. Rated R for Rowdy. Ah, so, um, as we've changed the order this time, I'm going to go first again with uh, Movie Hell. Okay. And uh, my pick for movie hell is the film Below. Mm. Below is one of those films which um, it took me several attempts to watch. Um, this sort of came out a couple of years after U571, which um, was the submarine film about how the Americans captured the Enigma machine. And, of course, every history buff came out and went no no this is wrong this is no it was the british who who actually you know discovered the enigma machine and they were the first ones to you know to steal it from the nazis 
and then sparked this debate about Hollywood trying to rewrite history with war films like um, Saving Private Ryan and U571 showing the American side of the story and, and sort of forgetting the rest of the, uh, you know, uh, the allies. And so uh, when this film came out, it's, it just sort of came out at sort of the end of that kind of um, hysteria, if, to put it, you know, it was a, a little bit of hysteria, but it, it was a news story for a while. Yeah, because this was what, 2002? Okay, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, so, you know, I started watching this and uh, I got I got bored, which is, you know, a real shame because... Um, so the story is, it's about um, the submarine... Um, and they are told to go to the spot to pick up survivors from a um, boat that's been sculled by a, a, a Nazi submarine. And so they, they get the survivors in and then they have to uh, dive because there's a, a Nazi hunter boat out there, you know, searching for, you know, American submarines. And so we get to meet this sort of big cast of, um, you know, of the crew. Yeah. I mean, you've got some great actors in this. Well, you do, yeah. You have uh, Bruce Greenwood as Bryce, who's um, the the captain of the boat. Love Bruce Greenwood. Always good. Yeah, so you got so you got Captain Pike, you know, <laughs> driving the ship. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you've got uh, Dexter Fletcher as uh, one of the British survivors, as well as uh, Olivia Williams. Um, uh, also, God, there's another. Uh, there's quite a few other British faces there. I mean, you've got. Um, oh God, you've got one of the actors from um, Alien Three. Yeah, you got Jason Fleming in there. Jason Fleming's in there so you got a, a mini you got a little bit of a uh Lock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels reunion. Uh, You've even you've got, got Zach very, Galifianakis uh, in there. I'm going to say I was just about to say yeah. that it was an early role for Zach Galifianakis and uh his character name is Weird Wally. <laughs> <laughs> but saying that I thought he was very good in this. I thought he was much better than he was um in the Hangover films. In the Hangover films I find him kind kind of annoying. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know whether I agree with that. I love the Hangover films. <laughs> Particularly I enjoyed the first, the first one. one. Yeah. The first one I enjoyed, but the second ones I can't be arsed with, to tell the <laughs> truth, because they, they didn't really do much, that, anything different, ah, It's really. kind of a rehash of the same thing, yeah, very much. Yeah. But the first, the first so, one's a great film, though. I think the yeah, first one's really yeah. good. But. So they, they bring the survivors on board, and then these sort of ghostly things start happening uh you know you get like this record player that starts playing when they're sort of hiding and they think it's at first the um the survivors because um one of the survivors is actually uh a german officer or a, a german soldier we never really told we just know he's german uh which um bruce greenwood soon executes <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> as soon as he finds out the poor guy's dead you know he wasn't given a chance or anything <laughs> yeah uh and so um so um they have all these ghostly happenings and the ship gets more and more torn up uh by 
not just by the 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 german ship that's searching for them but um also by the the ghostly goings on yeah and um and so and, and in the end they have to um the the ship travel the boat travels back to where they picked up the survivors and you know and the the, the reasons for it are you know it's it's one of these sort of classic ghost stories where the the that something bad happened on the u-boat and uh the ghosts have they've come back to you know get their revenge or for somebody to right the wrongs so that they can move on yeah i mean i hadn't i'll be honest with you i hadn't seen this film um before uh we were going to record this podcast unfortunately they had it on netflix so i was able to watch it on there <laughs> um you, you know i i don't know i don't know what i was expecting i mean i i think it was like sort of trying to be sort of event horizon on a submarine but it it, it really well, sort yeah. of fell short from that but the thing the thing that's a real shame is there's some really good actors in this. Um, and I, I think the idea, I think the actual premise of it is, is pretty cool. Um, it just doesn't really... I mean, the, the, the only woman character in it, you know, played by the wonderful Olivia Williams, we all love her, yeah. But she's really underused in this film, I felt. You know, um, she was she was somewhat wasted, as as was much of the ensemble really um and it's interesting because this was actually written by darren aronofsky wasn't it before but i believe he was attached to direct it at one point he was attached to direct it and then he stepped down and david tui took over and did requiem of a dream which was a better move i would say (laughs) yeah (laughs) and also uh david tui has got a writing credit on on it as well so i think he made some changes to it um I don't know what it is. I think it's really difficult to do a good um, submarine film. I think the only submarine film I can think of that I really like is Daz Boot. Well, Daz Boot is amazing, yes. I mean, And also the fact that you... I think you get to know the characters a lot more. <laughs> you mean to tell me you don't love Crimson Tide? <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, yeah, I do love Crimson Tide, actually. But I... It, but I'm thinking of uh, submarine films that take place during World War yes, Two yeah. that are made after the 80s. Yeah. Because there were some very good ones made in the uh, 50s and 60s. I remember this, especially the one about the uh, American U-boat versus the German warship. Uh, it's Enemy Below, I think it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that that's a really great film and it's all about cat and mouse and that's the thing about submarine films is at the end of the day they they are about especially in world war ii films about the cat and mouse between a submarine and the ships above so with das boot it was the tension of being stuck on that submarine not knowing if you were ever going to make it out of there or not yeah and that's where the real tension came from yeah um oh that enemy below yes that's the robert mitchum film isn't it Yes, yeah, yeah, one, yeah. That, that oh, that's a classic. Yeah, that one is yeah. is really good. Yes, I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, so you know, it, it the the idea for the story is kind of good. You know, the whole idea of um, you know these American servicemen are stuck on this U boat and you know it's haunted and they have to do something uh, to sort of you know 
get the ghosts away or they'll die problem is it's it's the the sort of the reveal of what actually happens is just it's just rubbish yeah it's absolutely rubbish uh so what has happened is that um we find out that um captain pike bruce greenwood (laughs) is not the actual captain he's actually the uh executive officer who's taken over from the captain because the captain has died and um the story that's told is that um they had destroyed a german warship and they'd gone out onto the deck to sort of see what was happening you know and that the captain wanted to grab a souvenir of the this of you know of what they destroyed and he hit his head and fell over and of course the question is how did he hit his head well what actually happened was that they had actually scuttled this um, this medical ship that Dexter Fletcher and Olivia Williams had come from, thinking it was actually a German destroyer. The silhouette was the same. And um, I think that... Um, I, I think they say that the um, captain wanted to shoot... Um, it was some stupid because I think I, I'm not quite sure if it's correct, but the captain wanted to shoot the survivors, and they killed him over that, mm. or the fact that they killed him because they, he discovered their mistake. Yeah, I'm. Because it's like try- this conspiracy, yeah. conspiracy of like four guys, who you know, um, who all have grisly ends, don't yeah. they? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to help you out here, but this speaks volumes, right? I saw. I watched this probably three or four weeks ago, just because it was the yeah. first one I watched um, of of Toy's uh, work. And um, I'll be honest, I, I forgot. You know, if a film's not really good nowadays, it, it, it tends to get. A, I think it's because of the amount we consume. Like you said, it, it tends to. Yeah. Uh, get erased from the from the memory bank fairly quickly and and i have to say um yeah i don't actually remember what the specifics were around that and it was only like as i said two or three weeks ago that i watched this but um i like you was somewhat bored while i was watching it um yeah and i you know i sometimes find if i'm watching stuff at home this is terrible but if you know that's why i like going to the cinema but if i watch stuff from at home and it isn't grabbing me i do tend to you know if somebody texts me or whatever answer a text and stuff whilst the film's on which you know is blasphemy in many respects but um but yeah i, I think this was one where i got very distracted and uh, wasn't 100% with it so uh yeah yeah i can't remember what the uh what the circumstances were around it but but basically yes the reveal is that bruce greenwood is actually kind of a bad guy (laughs) they 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 made a mistake he was like um he was on watch that night and he saw the silhouette and he it's the the silhouette matched this german warship so they scuttled it and then realized the mistake and the captain was i don't know he what he actually the captain wanted to bring on survivors that was it he wanted to bring on survivors and they killed him because they knew if they brought survivors on that they would um you know that they would be reported for actually you know for what they did mm-hmm. 
but then they they get all, but at the beginning of the film they get orders to go back to go there and they just you hear him say oh we've been past that spot oh we have to go back and it's kind of like uh straight away you're going oh okay well obviously they must have had some hand in <laughs> destroying the ship so you know it's just yeah it's sort of very you kind of guessed it and it was very sort of knowing and yeah and also the fact that they kill off most of the cast they do yeah very pretty quickly, quickly. yeah 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 they, they um oh, some think about there's a problem with the electrics and one of the guys goes in there uh with a, a team of from like three others and they have to keep the doors closed but one guy opens the door and lets oxygen in there or something and it just burns all these compartments with most of the crew in it then only leaving like a handful of people left. Yeah, and that bit I actually thought was was quite nicely done, though. I mean, you know, trying to look at the It was nicely done, but it was just very convenient to kill off most of the people. And they were guys who had nothing to do with it as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that that was all right. Of course, you had that that one character. Oh, God, I'm trying to remember who the actor was who did this, which um, when he sees, uh, you know, one of the ghosts or whatever actually kind of jettisons himself out of the submarine oh, and, and yes. would rather uh, drown a horrible death below the sea <laughs> than, than, than well no he doesn't want to hell. drown but he um he tries to swim right, doesn't the, he but <laughs> yeah there's is a, the actor is holt mccannelly that's and it he, he he's been in so many films i mean for a start he was in alien three. Oh, there you go it all everything leads back to alien three <laughs> there you go. He was in he was in Fight Club, uh Free Kings. Yeah. Uh he was in oh god, what was that film he was really good in? Um uh, The Losers. Oh, The Losers. Yeah. I do you know that's a now there's there's a hidden gem. Yes. He was he was play he played right. Jason Patrick's right-hand man. And, and the bit where at the beginning where they're trying to frighten these uh Indian uh scientists and he he throws him off the edge of the building and Jason Patrick turns around to him and says, I wanted you to frighten yeah. him, not throw him off the building. Well, that, that, film, that film is another hidden gem. I mean, that's great. Yeah. It's got Chris Pratt in that film. Um, not Chris Pratt, no. sorry, Chris Evans. Let's get this right, the wrong yes. Chris. The wrong superhero. Uh, Chris Evans in that film is hilarious. Uh, he's got the lovely yeah. Zoe Saldana in it. I love that film. It's really, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really good. And, um, oh, it's got, um, what's his name? Oh, what's the black? Oh, Idris Elba's in it, isn't he? Idris Elba, yeah. yeah, Idris Elba's in it. So, um, yeah, it's a good movie. But that. yeah, but no, anyway, uh, I mean, sorry, the, <laughs> yeah, but the the Holt McCannelly character, um, he 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 he, he launches himself out of a, <laughs> a torpedo tube and tries to swim away, and then gets um, oh god, there's like because the the sub now is really wrecked and everything, and he actually gets impaled on this sort of uh, one of the one of the beams sticking out. It's really nice. It is pretty nasty. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, I mean, you know, the the film the film is not completely without merit. However, overall, it doesn't. It just doesn't work. I, I was just kind of yeah. like, I hadn't seen it, and I watched it, and it was. It, I found it kind of hard work, and 
I had no real yeah. sort of desire to watch it again, really. I'm like, well, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, now. I'm, I remember sort of uh, 40 minutes into it and I'm going, oh, this is, uh, must be near the end. And then seeing it was like a whole other hour to go, I was like, oh, really? Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't great. No. It wasn't great at all. So uh, if, you've, if you've never seen Below, uh, I wholeheartedly tell you just skip it. <laughs> it's just not great. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you on that one. I didn't. It could have been, as I said, I, I thought the actual premise of it was was mm. was really good. Um, I don't actually think it was badly made, you know, you know by any no. means. But it just, oh, I don't know. It just kind of, it could have been something better than it was. And I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think this is the only film where david tui actually has a cameo is that right yes he plays the british captain at the end yes yeah, yeah. so yeah um but yeah <laughs> it's it's kind of not not great um no. not at all no. not at all let's uh let's i'll just say the the final shot as well is a bit where you see the sub sink it lands. It actually goes past the uh, medical oh, that's ship right. and just keeps on going. Yeah, it just keeps <laughs> so going and going, going, yeah. and yeah. then the credits yeah. roll. Yeah, that's it. And you're just so glad that film's over. Yeah, yeah. I must admit, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I wasn't particularly taken by it, if I'm honest. But uh, there you go. So that. Anyway, Keith, right. What is your pick for movie? Okay, here? well, as you always know, as as any listeners that that hear me often often know, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm usually, uh, you, you know, quite quite careful about my um my picks for movie hell, and it's always well movie didn't particularly like rather than hell and stuff. But um, this one I wasn't sure when I picked it that I was doing the right yeah. thing. Um, okay. but going back and I was doing it based on my initial response or my gut feeling back when I saw it and revisiting it, I th- I thought to myself, no, actually, you know, I'm going to stick with this, however controversial it might be. So my pick for movie hell, um, for David Tuoy is actually Chronicles of Riddick, the, the, the second installment in the, um, in the franchise well if you if you ignore the dark fury animated film by peter chung um which kind of bridges the gap between these films um it's like a sort of 35 minute story which sort of picks up where uh pitch black ended and sort of leads you into where riddick's journey is going um then there's a five-year gap which i think was the exact time because this is like 2004 this was made um and we pick up again now why don't i like this all first of all i got the um as i said the all singing or dancing blu-ray edition and i wanted to go through the entire uh series and all of the extras and everything before this podcast because it's 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 one of these things all all three films on there um have both uh, unrated and uh, sorry director's cuts and and theatrical cuts uh they all have audio commentaries by toy um they have shitloads of behind the scenes featurettes deleted scenes all of that stuff and i wanted to work through the complete thing before this sadly i didn't i just with work and whatever i didn't get the time to do that so all i did was i watched the theatrical version 
okay the director's cuts actually 15 minutes longer and i don't know what the differences are i don't know whether it makes right. it any better or not but okay well um I, I did watch the director's cut of this because I know the theatrical cut very okay. well. And the director's cut um, adds... Uh, I have to say I'm glad they left it out in the theatrical oh, cut because really? it's a bit shit. Oh, dear. Yeah. Okay. But what it is is um, the idea is that Riddick comes from a race of um, called Furians. That's correct. And they are supposed to... I mean, and also what their name implies is that they're a furious race that they're you know a, a warrior race and um you never really sort of in the theatrical cut it's kind of implied but uh in the director's cut it's it, it smacks you on the fucking face round with it. oh right um, there he has when he goes to sleep when he's traveling traveling to helium prime um this woman appears to him and says that he is a Furian and this is the graves of, of Furia and uh, all these people that had died. And it also adds this stuff where you have the um, the head of the Necromongers, the Lord Marshal, say to Riddick, first time they meet, have we met before? Right. And then you get these sort of flashbacks where he sees the Lord Marshal as, as younger and... And the idea is that um, Riddick has a knack for escaping places. Yeah. I mean, this whole bit where um, they're talking about sort of slams that he had escaped from, aka prisons. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's talking about Butcher Bay. Oh, they've got a spot for me. You know, you need to take me to, an, uh, you know, a maximum security, uh, you know, like crematoria. And the, the whole idea is he he he's a, he escapes from these places. He's very good at reading people, and so he escapes this slaughter of Furia by this um, you know by the Lord Marshal because of a prophecy. And the prophecy is that a, a Furian warrior would kill him. Right. So he decided to have a one-man war against the whole of Furia, killing them all, and um, and so he. In the director's cut, he kind of becomes the uh, vessel for this ghost woman to take exact their revenge on the Lord Marshal. And um, there's a character who's called the Purifier, who we find out is actually uh, a Furian convert to this religion. And um, he has... There's, there's this bit where... We we talked about this earlier when I was talking about the sort of the the two E cut the two E edit mm -hmm. where there's sort of an elliptical editing with this fight scene, uh, but in the director's cut it ends because the ghost appears to him and gives him this mark this handprint, which releases this massive energy that makes him look like he's dead, and it's so it's stupid. It's right, so it's a whole it's yeah. subplot. It's a whole there's a whole subplot so of trying trying to sort of make. You know the idea of, of of Riddick and this whole you know uh, prophecy and him being the, the the vengeful spirit of this dead race. Right. And uh, okay. Now, well, the thing is, I I enjoy the theatrical cut of this. Right. I, I, it's actually a guilty pleasure. All right. Because I I think of it as Conan in space. Okay. But the 
the director's cut is fucking awful. All right. No, fair, fair enough. I mean, I mean, you know, here's, here's the thing. This is why I kind of picked it because, I, you know, I'm a bit contradictory in the fact that I am a fan of the Riddick franchise, as it were. However, this particular film, um, I mean, I, I love Pitch Black and I enjoy um, Riddick, you know, the third film immensely as well. But this one... I think what my issue is with it, and I felt this when I watched it um, again recently, is I like the fact they tried something very different, and it is very different. You know, yes, you've you've taken this character of um, uh, Richard B. Riddick, played by Vin Diesel, and you've put him into a completely... I mean, you've basically expanded out the universe to make it somewhat vast, yeah, and put him in a different, like you said, sort of... Conan in space adventure. I, I think that's quite a good way of um, phrasing mm. it, actually. Um, oh, I think the last shot is absolutely just ripped oh, out of Conan with him on the to- totally, uh, the throne. Totally. But but what what, <laughs> what I felt my 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 feeling at the time that I saw this and 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 again the feeling rewatching it. Um, and as I said, I was hoping the director's cut would would be something that would actually make it better. But from from what you're saying, perhaps not. Is I felt it was very much style over substance. Um, you know, I mean, I think that the production design and art direction of this film and all of the costumes and whatever are beautiful and amazing and imaginative. Uh, I think the visual effects are incredibly good, although I imagine, you know, a huge portion of them are probably CGI in this film. I, I get the feeling there's a lot of that here. Um, but the actual, the actual story and the plot and and everything else about it i found a bit i don't know it 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 just felt a bit weak it felt as i said style over substance to me um you you know again you've got a great cast in this you've got you know tandy newton carl urban colm Farrell. you've even got dame judy dench in there you know so you've got i know i i have to say that that does feel like uh she was doing that one for the money well, yeah, I mean, uh, well, Vin Diesel's a big fan and apparently, you know, as a producer of this film, really sort of um, lobbied to get her and, and to have her in the film. And, um, you, you know, and, 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 and good for him because she does give it some gravitas that it probably wouldn't have had. Yeah, I mean, she does. I mean, all, all the performances in this, you know, it, it is it does have a very sort of almost like Shakespearean feel to the mm. whole thing, you know, from from. You, you know, you've obviously got these outlandish costumes, but but the performances are all very, you know, they they they, they feel somewhat theatrical. Um, but uh, no, I just I don't know what it is. I just I just kind of don't find it. I, I where I where I said about Pitch Black being, I, and I know this is a different type of sci-fi film. I get that. But whereas I said Pitch Black, I felt that not only the story was very well layered, but the characters were were, were, were very um, rounded and things of that nature. I felt with this, this film to me felt like it was all about the visuals and, you know, obviously action set pieces and stunts and fighting and chasing and all that good stuff. But I actually felt that the actual plot of it and 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 the characters in it were were just not as interesting so i found it not for me not to be a particularly worthy 
um, follow up to Pitch Black. And, and interestingly, it seemed that with Riddick, with the with the third film, they tried to sort of go back to basics a little bit more and having him sort of yeah. marooned on a planet and sort of retelling, you, you know, kind of rehashing that slightly. I mean, I must admit, I enjoy it from a point of view because um, you spend a lot more time with Riddick on this one he is he is the hero of oh he's film. the total centerpiece absolutely and yeah. even though he's a man yeah. and of it's... few words he's he's very very <laughs> physical in this i mean he he, he you know he, vin diesel when he made this is was in absolutely fantastic yeah. shape and you know some of some of the fights and the stunts and things of that nature in this are incredible so yeah he's, he's very much a man of action and um yeah uh yeah and definitely the center of this film and I, I must admit, I, I found the whole um, idea of the uh, necromongers. I think it was actually kind of an, an interesting um, religion. This mm. idea of they're, they're they're conquerors. They come they they go from planet to planet, and um, as uh, Dame Judy Dench says, that if they cannot convert you, they will destroy you. Yeah, yeah, because she plays an elemental character yes. doesn't she and also she's the narrator at the beginning yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. which well with a voice like dame judy dent yes. she's got to use that but yeah it's, it's like the sort of female equivalent of morgan freeman <laughs> yeah yeah so just to sort of let you know what um this because she refers to them as the army of the dead doesn't she but they're not actually dead they're the idea is that the lord marshal has found he's gone to another universe called the underverse that's right and i think the director's cut clears this up a little bit better oh does it okay because it it is ambiguous in the theatrical well they say the the universe they they're in has to die that's why they're going to planet and planet destroying everything because life has to not exist for the underverse to come into this universe to take this universe over well, that's what the belief is. And the Lord Marshal has sort of been to the gates of this underverse and he's come back as uh, as Carl Urban calls him. He's the holy undead. And the idea is that he's um, not only is he a person, but he has this. He, it's like his spirit is detachable or, you know, yeah. Yeah, he has that. Yeah, he has. He, has, mean, he has this ability to sort of uh, take people's souls and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you know, yes, I I kind of like. So obviously, you know, in this film, we see that. Uh, I'm. I mean, I'm guessing this is sort of supposed to be set centuries in the future or whatever. It's never. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's never said exactly when, but. Um, but you know, it, it is an absolutely vast universe of, of of planets, and you know, I kind of quite like the idea that this this you know race are going to go and they're they're trying to sort of conquer. And if you don't, if you don't, um, if you don't adhere to their religion, then 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 you're destroyed, you know, and 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 this yeah. sort of thing. I mean, that's that's very basic, but you know, you know, it kind of works. But one of the things I sort of thought, I mean. It starts off, you know, it picks up sort of five years after the events of, of Dark Fury and um, Riddick is on Dark the run. Dark Fury? Yes. And, uh, oh, sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Let's say Pitch Black. <laughs> well, yeah. There was Dark Fury as a story. There was, between, but, but I don't yes. think many people went see it, had seen well, Dark Fury. It's weird because on that, it, that was kind of, it was weird. It was kind of a vogue thing to do at the time was to make mm. these animated sort of short films that, that link because obviously they they'd kind of done it with with 
an element of success, I guess, with the Matrix films. Yes, and the they'd Annie even Matrix, yeah, yeah, and they, they'd even done it with, um, which was a terrible film, by the way, but with uh, Van Helsing, you know, the uh, Stephen Summers film with Hugh Jackman, um, oh, which right. I think was a great idea, but a terrible film. But they 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 did. Um, they did a, uh, I, I remember on the DVD of it, they, there was a like a 30-minute animated prequel story, right. <laughs> you know, voiced by um, Hugh Jackman. And uh, it dealt with, oh God, it de- I can't even remember. It dealt with something that was mentioned in the, um, in, in the film. But it, it kind of seemed a sort of vogue thing to do in the sort yeah. of early 2000s, mid-noughties, whatever. I, th- um, I thought it was in the... Uh... I mean, talking about the the cartoon, I thought it was kind of interesting, but I could still done without it. Yeah, you yeah. still don't need to see it to enjoy um, Chronicles of Riddick. Oh no, no, you don't have to see it. It's just one of those yeah. extra adventures if 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 you so desire. I mean, I watched it because it's it's on the uh, it's on the Blu-ray set that came, and I, after I watched Pitch Black, I thought sod it let's watch this before watching yeah. chronicles of riddick but one well, like the, you I, I i watched all i watched all four of these films in order to yeah you know to see the whole thing and uh you know it, it um i have to say out of if we're going to say dark fury is a, a film as well i thought dark fury was actually the weakest one out of it yeah yeah so it's linking you know pitch black to uh chronicles of riddick and introducing some a character as well of yeah you um, get tombs tombs who is tombs, yeah. the bounty yeah. hunter at the beginning yeah, of but this it film. makes no sense but the thing is to, but in chronicles of riddick tombs is he's he's got a job to go and hunt him so it it doesn't make any sense that he would also be in this other story well there's it, no it sense kind of there's no sense on, of yeah, yeah i know but there's no sense of chronicles of riddick that he's hunting him that he's been hunting him it's not like it's not like in Riddick where you've got um, John's father turns up as the mercenary and he's he's there because he wants to find out what happened in Pitch Black. Yeah, Tombs is just is just a mercenary. Yeah, I mean you've got obviously he's got this bounty. You see, I, I I wasn't even sure I bought totally into that. The, the bounty was put on him by. Um, Oh God, the character's name's gone out of my head, but the you mean Keith, the Keith, Keith David David's. character yeah. from the yeah. from the previous films, because well, actually, well, actually, no, it was actually uh, the Judy Dench Judy character, character. Put yeah, the okay, price working on his head, together, wasn't but it, it yeah. was because Keith David had told him told her about Riddick, and they thought he might be a Furian. Yes, yes, and and they needed him to sort of bring bring order back to the chaos of the universe. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like Meh, okay, but uh, so <laughs> you, you know, it's like all right, fair enough, whatever. So so I kind of went with that, but um, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, the, there's a there's a lot of action in this, and obviously it goes from you, you know planet to planet, and there's a prison break in it, and there's you know all, all these all these things keep sort of happening to him but what one of the things that i again again another thing that kind of bothered me in this film more so than um with the character you you know as he appeared in pitch black is obviously you know in pitch black 
uh, Riddick is set up as this absolute badass anti-hero mm. who can take care of himself and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, he's got this, you know, we can see in the darks his superpower, but he can also you know, get somewhat blinded by normal light if he hasn't got his goggles and, you know, all, all of this good stuff. Yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. good fighter and all that. But you really felt because of the because of all the odds that they layered throughout the story of um, Pitch Black and obviously the creatures and stuff. You, you you kind of felt it was vulnerable, whereas what I felt in this film was they'd almost put him onto this sort of superhero status where you just thought he was indestructible because any 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 um, environment he was imprisoned in he got out of easily. Anyone who took him on in a fight he could beat, and I I, I don't know after after kind of an hour and twenty minutes of this it was just kind of like it, it, for me it just felt all very much the same sort of thing, and I never felt he was in any real jeopardy at any point. This is true, but um, I have to say I did love Death by Teacup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. which is you that know kind of a good which death. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good death <laughs> so they, they've gone to this planet <laughs> called um uh, crematoria which is um the idea is that um on the sunny side it's like thousand degrees and then on the dark side it's freezing and so it's you know you don't want to be on the surface of this planet it, it's literally like it's it it's escape proof from the fact that if you go on the surface, you will either freeze to death or you will be burnt to death. And, and so they take Riddick to this prison. And, um, and I, 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 I understand this is the thing he kind of, um, so they're, they're, they're traveling along on this, uh, like a platform, this, this rail system. And he knows the distance. Yeah. By just, I don't know. He's not counting or anything, but he you, you sort of sit, hear him say, you see the distance on the counter and then you hear him say it like he's been keeping track in his head, even though he has been able to kill one of the mercs in the middle of this. Yeah, yeah. And, and also the fact that he comes up with a plan or he can he, he knows what's going to happen because he wanted to be captured to go to a crematoria to find um, Jack who is now uh, Kira. Yes. Who uh, we talked about earlier, who was, you know, the, the girl from Pitch Black. Yeah, I was... And a... she, she decided that she wanted to, to follow in Riddick's uh, footsteps and so joined up with some mercs who, uh, you know, pisses off Riddick because, you know, the, John's the merc was the same person who wanted to sort of, you know, to use her as bait for these creatures back in Pitch Black. And, she, of course... He's very pissed off that she signed up with the same people who wanted to do that. Yeah. And of course, she's gone to this prison hoping to, you know, get the same operation. And of course, it turns out not to be true. Yeah. Now, I mean, one, one of the things I was a little bit, as I usually am, disappointed with is even though Alexa Davalos, who played uh, Jack Stroke Kira in this, is very good and, and, you know, very beautiful and all that sort of thing, I was kind, mm. of, I was kind of annoyed that she was recast. Um, I know I know five or six years had passed and, you know, it's OK. Yeah. But again, I don't just don't understand why, because the previous actress came back to do the the voice for the Dark Fury um, animation. So I just don't understand why she wasn't just cast in this role unless it was something to do with the fighting or something. I don't know. But probably um, I mean, I, you got to remember this. The budget for this film was a lot more than uh, Pitch Black 
this was a hundred million dollars. Oh, and you could budget. see it. I mean, I mean, oh yeah, you, you know, the money is all on screen, and 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 Toy didn't do a bad job of directing it necessarily, but I just sort of felt, in comparison, I mean, for yeah. me, yeah, uh, you, you know, Pitch Black worked head and shoulders over this despite the difference in in budget i mean the reason why this is sort of a guilty pleasure for me is the fact that um it it, it just feels like they've taken Riddick and thrown him in a completely different universe it's not the same universe as pitch black because pitch black was very grounded was very gritty and this is very fantastical mm, it's very I mean, opulent the whole, it's very yeah, um yeah, yeah. i mean it, 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 even just that it's not just the necromongers but it's also the planet of helium prime with these massive towers and these lights up into the sky and it's supposed to be new mecca but the fact is that they have all kinds of religions there and the the guards all look very sort of medieval in their uniforms and stuff and it just it, it just looks completely different to sort of the jumpsuits and the sort of boxy ships that we had in pitch black yeah so it does feel like a completely different universe yeah and also the fact that um uh riddick is this all-knowing all-seeing character that he comes up with a plan that you know, there's no, that everybody else follows through. That he's this mastermind of human nature. You know, the fact that he knew that the the mercs and the guards were going to get into a fight because the the guards weren't going to be happy about these necromongers following them there. And you know, and, and you know, there's nobody who knows that's going to happen because if that was the case, then you know, Pitch Black, he would have been, you know, he would have known certain things were going to happen in that film you know and he he would have been able to take care of it yeah and you know they kind of do this in riddick as well in riddick he's again kind of all-knowing when he gets to that um again there's another little compound that he gets to and he he leaves a message that says um you know leave one ship take and go off in the other and there's only one ship that appears at the beginning how on earth did he know there was going to be two ships coming i have no idea no no i know what you mean i mean you know it's nice that they've 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 used this character and they've you know he's reprised the role and all this and you know my hat's off to uh david toy for not literally retreading like a lot of sequels do and essentially making the same film again even even well, though even though he kind of did in the third one yeah no exactly <laughs> um because i don't i don't know was this film successful i'm not even sure no it, was... it, it, it wasn't i i think this is why they had why uh riddick the third film was kind of independently made because it it there was a flop at the cinema. Right. Uh, not a lot. Not a lot of people turned up for it. I remember it came out at the end of the summer. It came out sort of late August, early September, and I remember the screening I was in. There was hardly anybody in there. But I mean, I I enjoyed it. I as I say, I think of it as a guilty pleasure. Yeah. I'm very happy to sit down and watch it, and you know, and it's it is for you know the character of Riddick. But also, I do love the the scheming uh, couple. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they're very Macbeth and Lady Macbeth oh, thrown into very this much. I mean, this is sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, now this has got this does feel like a sort of sci-fi Shakespearean tale in many respects. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm a fan. I'm a fan in so much as I'm a fan of the Riddick franchise itself, but. This particular film, this chapter, when I went to see it at the at the cinema, I remember just being 
very underwhelmed and and found it very forgettable because I don't think I'd seen it again until I watched it last week um, oh. when the Blu-ray finally arrived because I've been waiting like a month month because it had to come from the US. I waited ages, hence why I never got to see everything uh, before this. But um, but yeah, um, I, you know, I was kind of glad in the end that that was my pick because I felt the same way and and I do feel. Yes, it's a beautiful, beautiful looking film again. And, you know, it's got some very interesting designs um, in it. And, and, you know, all the tech and all that stuff's very cool. Um, but, yeah, the actual the actual story itself um, wasn't anything. As I said, I didn't I found I cared a lot less. I didn't really care about many of the other characters, Um you know it, obviously it was sad when spoiler folks but uh keith david's character dies in this which you kind of almost knew he was it was almost sort of set yeah. up for that wasn't it um to yeah, kind of a bit of a yeah. revenge film in yeah. some respects but uh, and uh, and also kira dies as well at the yeah end. Okay. i thought i thought that was really sad because he had gone to all that effort to try and find her yeah to sort of make it up make things up to her and um yeah, they got rid of all the canon characters up to that point. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of sad that I agree. But then again, the actual ending itself, I remember being kind of at the cinema and like, uh? And then, of course, they end up sort of dropping this by the time it comes to the third film anyway. But, you, you know. Well, the, the... I, they, they, they sort of kept it going in the third film where um, the, the, the idea of the Necromonger faith is that you, you keep what you kill. So we were introduced to this when Riddick kills this um, ma- this massive guy who's got a knife in his back. Yeah. And um, and the Lord Marshal stops him and, you know, gives him this knife because it's sort of, you know, as proof of their religion that, you know, if you, if you kill something, you get to keep. And so when Riddick kills the Lord Marshal at the end, he gets the whole Necromonger race. And I thought, you know, I have to say, I thought, well, that's going to be really interesting if they do a follow up to this to see what it would be like with Riddick leading an army. And of course, the first thing they do in Riddick is get rid of the army. Yeah, yeah. Get, <laughs> Just get rid of the get budget to... and get rid of the army. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they go back to basics. They, go, they, they, they do. They go back and they, yeah. to an extent, they retread um, the sort of pitch black uh, um mythology with this character again don't they um yeah but i, I actually quite enjoyed riddick though i, I haven't re-watched yeah. it yet actually annoyingly because as i said i'm i only got time to watch uh pitch black this and in dark fury in between but uh um but yeah again there's there's a director's cut of um uh, of riddick i don't know how different that is but there is uh, i don't know either i mean i sort of saw the the normal cut but um I just want to say, um, uh, they there was an attempt to make a, um, a Necromonger TV series. Oh, was that? Was called yes, there was. Uh, this, this is a little known fact, oh, but I, didn't uh, I noticed because um, one of the actors I worked with, Benjamin Green, was actually he played a Necromonger soldier in the in the series, well, this pilot, and it was called Necromonger Conquest. Uh, I think, I believe it was a, a kind of prequel to the Chronicles of Riddick. The idea was that you were, that we followed the sort of, how this sort of army came together and the sort of, the origins of this faith. 
and um they had a website and they had like uh character photographs of the of the main characters out of chronicles of riddick and i think there was even i think they even had like a cameo of somebody who looks like vin diesel as riddick i don't think he wasn't a main character but he was going to sort of appear in it sort of you know cameoing in it or something and um so i I think there is a video online somewhere. I have to try and find it of of Ben and um, another actor called Matt Stokes, who I had the pleasure of working with on moving forward. And uh, they were like doing a little dance, and there's all this necromonger uh, uniform. Wow! But uh, yeah, from what I heard, uh, it was awful. Okay. And didn't get picked up. It was kind of like. It wasn't being made by a studio. It was made by uh, an independent company that was hoping that they could sell the idea to uh, a studio that would then go on and make it. But um, alas, it didn't happen. Because it's certainly a big universe that they set up in this film. Um, they do, and uh, you, you, you know, I, I guess it would be sort of fertile ground for um, you know expanding. I mean, obviously, I'm not really. I don't really do the. Um, the, the the whole games thing but of course they're at this this has been quite successful with uh spin-off games featuring riddick as well hasn't it i believe well there's there's been the one game called butcher bay which um it gets name checked in the chronicles of riddick uh again uh i think if you want to sort of have the full riddick experience you could play the game but i don't think it's quite like enter the matrix which was the the game that accompanied um matrix reloaded which sort of filled in some of the gaps yeah I, this is one of the thing about the sort of the sequels to the matrix where they had this sort of idea of making it a multimedia experience that to experience the whole thing you had to see the animatrix and you had to play the game and uh it was just not really worth it. No, I mean, the films should work on their own and anything expanded or added should be, you know, there to enhance it and filling gaps and flesh out characters and stuff. But certainly uh, the films have to work without that. Otherwise, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not telling the story otherwise, is it? You know, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I haven't got much else uh, to say. I would say, um, I, I say, go and see Chronicles of Riddick. I enjoyed it, and uh, and go and see Riddick as well. If if you've enjoyed the, uh, Pitch Black and Chronicles of Riddick, you'll really enjoyed Riddick. Uh, if you didn't enjoy Chronicles of Riddick, then maybe give Riddick a miss. <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, I I, I actually <laughs> prefer Riddick over Chronicles of Riddick. I have right, to say, go, okay. and and also the titles of all this stuff. Is very because oh, it's like now it's, it's so the annoying. Chronicles of Riddick, Pitch Black, the Chronicles of Riddick, and then the Chronicles of Riddick, Riddick. Yeah, it's really confused, isn't it? That's why I just I call it Pitch Black, Chronicles of Riddick, and Riddick. Yeah. It's very easy. Just <laughs> just skip the Chronicles of Riddick because otherwise, then the Chronicles of Riddick is the Chronicles of Riddick, the Chronicles of Riddick. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. Skip the Chronicles of Riddick. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the theatrical one and, and the director's one as well. If, 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 
you know you've got your say on it yeah <laughs> yeah 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 definitely miss the director's cut is that's oh it's just awful oh, okay anyway um <laughs> so keith where can we find your work all right well if you haven't totally given up on us by now <laughs> you can find uh short films as mentioned in the uh, in this podcast uh if you go to british isles that's e-y-l-e-s as in my last name um and yep they're they're there on youtube uh, uh while i'm making newer ones but uh th- there are some there to watch for now excellent uh you can find my work as always at independentrunnings.com uh you can listen to this podcast on stitcher itunes mixcloud and youtube also um follow us on facebook and twitter just search movie heaven movie hell and when you're on iTunes and Stitcher, please leave us a review and uh, give us a rating as well. It all helps. Anyway, thank you for listening and uh, join us next week for a quite exciting interview. Oh, indeed. Mm. See you then. <laughs>